Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Welcome back to Interesting Questions. We are up to Mishnah Vav. Yoshua ben Prachia v'nitai ha'arbeli kiblu mehem. Yoshua of Prachia and Nitai of Arbel received from them. Yoshua ben Prachia Omer, Yoshua ben Prachia would say, Asei lecha rav, accept upon yourself a rabbi, uknei lecha chaver, and acquire for yourself a friend, veheve dan et kol ha'adam lekaf sechut, and judge every person favorably. So there's a lot for us to be able to talk about here, Akiva, and I think I'll start with a traditional take on Asei Lecharav, and then uh, let you chime in. So the traditional take on Asei Lecharav is establish for yourself a rabbi, and it is often interpreted as when you have a rabbinic question, you should not go from rabbi to rabbi to rabbi shopping for the answer you want, but rather you should have an established rabbi for whom or of whom you ask your questions, and then you are bound to accept their answer, even if it's not an answer you might like, or even if it's an answer that might um, might uh, cost you some money, or whatever the case might be. Um, and I think there is a, a certain amount of um, traditional understanding that goes into that in terms of Sometimes people say, well, what does the rabbi really know? And what I often try to explain, at least to my students, is that the rabbi is somebody who is trained in a certain expertise. So just as if you did not feel well, you might go to the medical doctor, and that would allow them to diagnose you and uh, give you a prescription, and you are relying upon their training, their expertise, and their experience. So too with a rabbi, when you go and ask them a question in halacha, in Jewish law, you are relying upon their training, their expertise, and their experience to be able to answer that. And in many cases, it is important to note that rabbis are trained to answer questions specifically for the individual, right? While halacha may be... uh, seem very straightforward. One of the things that we are taught in rabbinical school is that you really have to look at the needs of the individual, and a, uh, a complicated question will often depend upon who you are responding to. Um, and one good example was early, before I was a rabbi, but early in my marriage, uh, I went to the rabbi, one of that, I, that was my rabbi, and I said to him, is it possible to kosher, to, to make kosher my dishwasher? And he said, for you, 
it is not. And that isn't a question of halacha being different for each person, but rather recognizing someone's financial ability, someone's uh, physical abilities, um, where they are in their own life, and and the expectation and experience of kashrut that they may have, um, as well as the materials that make up their dishwasher. And so I think that that's one good example. But I'm going to turn it over to you, Akiva, and can you share a little bit about an experience you've had with Aselecha Rav? Sure. I mean, I want to start off by saying thank God for Perkei Avot, because, uh, you know, in medicine we get second opinions questioned all the time, as well as Dr. Google. So, you know, thank God we have Aselecha Rav, which says that you have to stick to one Rav. Um, but, I mean, so so when I'm thinking about this, though, my question is, is we have Aselecha Rav, make yourself a rabbi, and realistically... What if you're a, a Rav who says, I don't paskin? How do we, how do we, because, I mean, if it's, if it's the individual who is choosing for themselves a Rav, if they find somebody who they find to be knowledgeable, and no, it doesn't mean just ask anyone on the street, but if you find someone who has uh, smicha and has the knowledge and has the base to, to give uh, appropriate assistance, uh, but they say no. I don't paskin. How do we how do we deal with that? Because it seems like a almost a disservice. I'd have to go to Doctor Google instead. So, um, Rav Moshe Feinstein is famous for responding when people ask, "So, how did you become the pose kador, the the decider of that generation?" He said, "It's never what he he aimed to be." Right? People came and they asked him questions, and he answered the questions. So more people came and asked him questions, and he answered those questions. And eventually, huge organizations and people of significance and other rabbis were coming to answer, to ask him questions, and he was answering those questions. Um, and people encouraged him to write down the responses to those questions because other people should know it, and there should be a record of it. Alternatively, um, the Rav, Rav Salavechik, used to famously say he was not a posik, right? Despite being the Rosh Yeshiva and teaching the highest shir at Yeshiva University during his lifetime, he did not consider himself a posik. He did not make decisions of Jewish law. He felt that he was a philosopher. He felt that he was a teacher, um, but did not, generally speaking, decide things for the Jewish people as a whole. And so I think some rabbis, just like some rabbis decide that they feel more comfortable in a pulpit, and other rabbis feel more comfortable inside a classroom, and other rabbis may feel more comfortable working with youth, and others may be more comfortable working with an older population. Depending on one's training and their knowledge and their comfort level with their ability to decide things. Um, and I think there's a certain amount of, of knowing your own limits and therefore being able to tell people, if you're asking me a very straightforward halacha question, I can answer it. If you're asking me to paskin, so I'm not sure I feel comfortable that I know enough to be able to paskin that answer. 
This entire Mishnah, though, is about what an individual creates for themselves. And I think that it's important to keep in mind that it doesn't say, become a Rav. It says, take for yourself a Rav, or make for yourself a Rav. And, and then we get the next piece, to, to take for yourself a friend. And in that same way, again, it's the individual choosing to take, choosing to create, choosing to find someone, uh, a mentor, a friend. Uh, those two pieces are both focused on what we are responsible to do as individuals. But I would argue that it still has to be a mutual relationship. In other words, if you want to be someone's friend and they don't want to be your friend, we call it stalking. Well, that's why it's take, Abby. <laughs> but I think that in a similar way, right? So let's say the Rav you find is, you know, uh, many, of, many of my students, the Rav that they find is the, the, the Rav that they have in school. Um, and so when they come and they ask us questions, myself and my colleagues in school, we will often do one of two, two or three things. Number one, we will tell them what the halakha is because it's a straightforward question. Two, we will engage them, if it's a fo- more of a philosophical question, in all of the possible answers and say, and this is the normative way of doing things. Or three, we will reach out to a posik, sometimes of our choosing or sometimes recognized by the school as a whole, for an official halachic answer. Um, And that allows us to do what we do best, which is to educate. um, And take for yourself a rabbi. And take for ourselves a rabbi, right? Because even rabbis need to have rabbis. Of course. So in in a fairly serious conversation with my parents about managing end of life issues. Um, one of the things my father said was most important to him was that my brother and I, my brothers and I not disagree and not fight about who we would ask our halachic questions of. And one of my brothers is also a rabbi. And I said, I don't think we would. I said, I think that we would find somebody who we would mutually agree upon that we could ask. Uh, and I, I named one or two uh, significant rabbis who are leaders today. Um, I'm hoping that my parents live a good long time and, and um, maybe we need to find some people who are, who are new leaders before we have to ask any of these questions. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, even rabbis need to have rabbis that they ask questions on. So the next piece is Uknelacha Chaver, which, you know, literal translation is and purchase for yourself a friend. And, you know, obviously we're not suggesting that you purchase friends. Um, at the same time, I have to say that, you know, this is an interesting idea because realistically we know that when you have someone that you care about that is a true friend, you know, it's kind of a situation where sometimes finances do become a, a product of of the relationship and 
I remember I was I was in medical school and I had someone uh, who I was discussing about a difficulty that I was having with with a friend and trying to figure things out. And I remember they told me something very very important, which was that if you are loaning a friend money, which we all have heard before, we that isn't recommended, but the truth is, if you have the opportunity where you loan money and you take the understanding that that money is a gift and it is not to be expected to be returned, then it's a situation where you don't risk the friendship, which, you know, at face value sounds a little bit difficult and, and deeper. There are different levels of difficulties and different nuances that occur. But Avi, what do you, what do you feel about this concept? So I've had some of those experiences, and I've found that, again, similar to what you said, either don't put yourself in a position where you're getting into a financial relationship with a friend, um, and certainly where things are not either very clearly spelled out, or alternatively, where you can afford to lose the money or be generous with the money. So sometimes... It can be something as simple as, you know, a bunch of us are going out for drinks and I'm happy to put it on my card and whatever people chip in for the, you know, for the cost of the drinks, great. But I know that at the end of the day, whatever we've put on that card is not going to make me or break me and I'm happy to have been together and feel like that is the price of admission. Or alternatively... It can be as much as when family or when friends come to you and say, I need a loan, or do you need a loan? And you say, okay, well, how are we going to structure this? And we're going to be very intentional about it in order to make sure that as much as possible, the friendship is not impacted. But I think in reality, the friendship is always impacted. If there is a financial debt owed between one and the other, the relationship is always impacted. So what I'm hearing you say in part sounds very similar to what the advice that was given to me was, which is if you take the approach to it that you're not going to see the money again, then you don't worry about it. And you know, I'm almost reminded when you mention about going out to you know, have some drinks with friends, I'm reminded of that awkward time at the end where... You know, the server comes over and says, is this, is this all in one check or is this split? And everybody kind of, some, there's oftentimes this silence of awkward, is one person paying? Are we splitting? How are we torturing the server? Because let's face it, handing six credit cards is not nice to do, generally speaking. Um, and of course, there's always all those apps, right, that now talk about, well, you can split the bill this way and figure it out and send this. And But at the end of the day... It is. Sometimes it's a very, it's another nice opportunity. And again, if you have the ability to, to be able to say, I got it this time, and then not stress over it, not do the counting, and not worry about the money. And it's, it's a nice way to interact sometimes. And again, if possible, and, and not necessarily for everybody, but this is talking about a chaver, this is talking about a friend, someone that and, and we all know we have friends, we have acquaintances, we have people we talk to sometimes. This is talking about a friend. 
and we have loved ones. And I think this is not necessarily talking about immediate family or loved ones. That may be a different situation. Don't purchase them. The things that we do for our parents or for our children may be very different than the things we would do for a friend. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned the idea of this being not for family, this being for a friend. Uh, and I think that there's something that really falls in the mix there of what about acquired family? What about those that we have chosen to be family? I would say that they probably fall in the family category and not in the haver category in most cases. Certainly, I think it might fit in this scenario. It might not be the same in other scenarios, but who knows? We might get to that at some point. We'll leave that for now. The last piece of this Mishnah is Dan Lechavzchut, which I think is a wonderful and very important Mita to, to take into consideration. Avi, talk a little bit more about how one judges every person favorably. Uh, also, wearing your educator hat of working with high school students, I would love to hear how you balance these two. So, I think that there's a couple of pieces. One piece is, um, there's a famous saying, you never really know what someone else is going through. And so the idea of recognizing that everybody is coming with their own baggage and their own issues. And so even when you see a behavior that seems odd or inappropriate, recognizing, and in my case with high school students, pointing out the inappropriate behavior, but not judging the person by it um, is one component. And I think the other piece is understanding that it is a lens that we have to try and use to look at the world. That if you try to say that everybody is doing their best, and I know that realistically that's not always true, but if you try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt that they are doing their best and approach them initially with that attitude, I think that's part of the making of a mensch, is to say, right, of being a good person yourself, is saying, I'm going to start everyone off with the benefit of the doubt, as opposed to saying, I'm sure that this person is coming with something terrible. And Akiva, you're, you're welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's part of having a healthy mindset, is the idea of saying, I'm going to look at the world through positive lenses rather than imagining that everyone comes with nefarious reasons and schemes. You know, I have to say, when I'm looking at how to tie these three concepts together, I think you just did that. I think the all three of these pieces are what you should be doing for yourself. You should make for yourself a rav. You should take for yourself a friend. And for your own benefit, you should judge every person favorably. I like that a lot. 
Uh, I don't have any more to say about that. No, and I, and I guess just to, to hearken back to the conversation about Aseh Rav, right? One of the things, we talked very much about the Rav, the rabbi, as being the posik, the decider of halacha. But traditionally, a Rav is a teacher. And so the idea of establishing who your teacher is and saying, I'm going to be a lifelong learner, as much as that phrase may be slightly trite. Um, but I'm going to constantly be trying to learn, I think, is also one of those things that makes us a, a whole person and a person who is growing and looks at the world in a positive light. One of the things that we're often taught is that the best way to be happy is through being thankful and recognizing our blessings in life. How can recognizing your own blessings provide you with an opportunity to be dan lekavzchut, to judge others favorably in your life? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.